2020 was going to be the year for me. I mean, it was my graduation year. Projects, farewell, the last goodbyes, placements, interviews. But a pandemic does what it does, right? And we all have been stuck at home since the past four months. But one thing that binds us all together is that we all have started having opinions. Okay, or we at least try to have opinions on newsworthy topics, social issues, and so much more. The guide podcast acts like a platform for the young voices who want to test their perspectives and put forward their thoughts, even the bizarre ones. This is the first of many podcasts. So like, share, subscribe. I'm Yash, and this is Mario, the host for today's discussion. We'll be talking about something that affects all of us, something that has been a topic of discussion in various forums, something that has attracted arguments since ages. Dude, dude, dude. Something. Dude, dude. Just, just say it. Today we'll be talking about feminism. Aha. All right, bro. We have with us a lovely panel. I would like the panelists to introduce themselves. Hi, guys. My name is Kushbu Changlani. I'm a feminist in progress. And uh, while a lot of people think that feminism is all about equality, I believe it is more about equity. And without equity, equality can't be achieved. Hi, my name is Devina Chakraborty. I'm a, a marketing intern with Small Face. It's a feature company. I identify as a radical feminist, and I believe feminism is not. About equality, but feminism is the road to equality. Um, hi, uh, I'm Ayushi. I'm 20 years old, and I do not identify as a feminist. Uh, while some of the ideas make a lot of sense, I believe that the movement is very far from the people that actually need it. And yeah, in that sense, I feel while the movement is in its ideas makes sense, it fails in its delivery. Um, hi guys, this is Hayes, and um, I'm 20 years old. Uh, I don't identify myself as a feminist um, due to reasons that feminism at its core has taken a discourse and um, the, the new wave of feminism is more about uh, oppression than upliftment or equality of women. So I don't identify myself as a feminist. So now that all our lovely panelists have introduced themselves, uh, we would start with the first topic, which I think should be the Sabrimala verdict, the landmark verdict, which was passed in 2018. It will it will be completing like two years now, uh, but 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 the question still stands tall. I mean, was was the verdict even necessary? Was the Supreme Court uh, right in intervening in between the traditional matters, or or I, I mean, there there's so many questions. So I would like the uh, the panel to start the discussion with Sabri Malavadi. Right. So the Sabri verdict has long been in debate due to this very two core arguments. One is the freedom of religion to women. And the second is whether the religion in itself should be protected within the fourth, uh, whatever religion has been passed down via folklore, via uh, tradition. So I believe that, you know, something in the sense that we know has been passed down from a very archaic age, something that we do not have proof of, cannot possibly stand in the way of freedom to religion. And it 
should be deemed unconstitutional, which is why I feel it is extremely necessary that the Supreme Court intervene because I don't do not think there's another body that could have taken this decision better. Okay, so Deb, like I know, and the other panelists also, I'd like to put this question to all of you. So there were in the earlier days there were things going on like this, the Tandavs and all that, which was banned by the Supreme Court, which is given a lot of hate because of uh, things like the Supreme Court intervening, and they had a lot of protests and all that. So. There's been a big debate about how uh, religious matters should be very different from this. Like, even in the Sabrimala case, they said yes, it shouldn't be something that the Supreme Court should intervene in. So, uh, do any of you have an opposing view to this? Okay, so here's what I think about this. Okay. Um, we're talking about Sabrimala right now, um, but if you think about it, the Hindu law from the start has been very regressive. Like, we've had to amend it since, like, the 1950s and 1960s. Like, in, I think around 1956, women were given, like, inheritance and things like that. We, like, if the Hindu law was not amended, we would not have all that. But I feel like what we forget is that if you think about it, the Muslim law has still been, like, relatively more aggressive towards women. And I think that's what happens, like with the feminist movement, that it ends up benefiting, you know, the majority. Like we're, you know, while we're talking about Sabi Mala, um, the mosque, like women entering mosque, is a very recent thing that has been even discussed. I think the same bench, the same jury discussed it, like in January. Now that you've mentioned the, now that you've mentioned the Muslim law. I mean, there's, there was another bill, the Triple Talaq bill, which which was passed yeah. and, and, and which, which was accepted, I mean, accepted by all parts of the society because it, I, I mean, there was nothing to oppose because in a relationship, everybody always, I mean, the, the idea of having the, I mean, giving female, uh, the, the wife, the rights of actually not, not, not just getting getting oppressed by the, the the husband is right but but in this case i mean you also have um, other places other religious places like the brahma temple in pushkar where where males are not allowed i mean there are other sabrimala temples uh, as well uh, yes, I, mean. I would like to interrupt you there it's it's not about letting males or females um enter a particular place it's about uh, it's about the the person who is worshipped, all right. So if you if you really believe and you believe in the religion, you will follow what the what the deity has to say. So Lord Ayappa was a celibate, and he said, or he thought so, that uh, women from the age of ten to 50, uh, fifty should not enter near him, so as to you know, uh, so as to not uh, intervene with his, um, uh, which is what do you call celibacy. Um, which is, I mean, the celibacy uh, thing. Yeah. Give me a hugging word. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I get it, but uh, let me, let me, let, let's get into who, a little bit more realistic terms, right? I mean, Lord Ayappa, I'm not sure, came to you and I and told us that this is supposed to be. But then you, way, uh, right? you can't question oh, every faith that has been laid down by uh, our ancestors. Uh, or... Yeah. So let me make my point, you'll get it. Like I mentioned, this entire story has come down through folklore and tradition, right? Yeah. So, in order for us to respect it, we do. None of us are saying that we do not respect it. 
but i'm also saying that it's extremely unconstitutional for a secular country to uh, okay wait so again uh, even though in uh, we're secular we're not actually secular india is a plural country which i think is wrong but we're still not a secular country and secondly why does always inclusion uh, lead to discrimination like just if you're wanting Yeah, sorry, okay. so coming back to, yeah, sorry, going. So coming back to yeah, coming back to what I was saying. Uh, basically, it's a secular country according to the constitution, right? Yeah. And uh, constitutionally speaking, it was correct on the Supreme Court. The debate stands whether the intervention of the Supreme Court in implementing this law was a correct decision or not. That is the debate, and I think that on the. Sorry, 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 sorry to interrupt, uh, but this has gone more to the religious side of it. More, it has it was more about the feministic part of it. Yeah, but I think we're trying to be more than that. If I can speak something, so after listening, can I say something? So after listening to all the points, I would start by a very famous quote, which is "Change is the end of life." Now, how all these practices like untouchability, Sati, they existed, and all these religious, you know, the religious parties and everything, they promoted it because that time they called it a tradition. But somehow, with the wave of feminism that came along, they acknowledged the fact that something like child marriage or um, you know shaving the head of widows isn't something that is you know that in any way is progressive there was change that was brought in secondly a fact that uh, one of the panelists stated that lord ayappa said that he doesn't want to be disturbed or something like that quoting veer das in one of his um, his program he said that you know we are like that one friend who keeps messing the picture and they are doing it on earth for the picture of god so we keep messing him we keep twisting and turning to justify the actions that we do under the name of religion then uh, coming back to something like menstruation whenever a girl is born there is no particular message sent along with her on earth that you know during this time she shouldn't be allowed to enter the temple i think it is extremely natural it is something that just it is something that how we are created i don't understand how that justifies or not justifies us entering temples uh so i would like to point out that uh, it's uh, lord ayappa didn't actually quite men- mention about menstruation or uh, he said that uh, he merely said that women aged 10 to 50 should not be near him it's uh, it's it, it's just drawing it's not cause it's it's just a difference of causation and correlation see again the I, thing that i, I, I have yeah, yeah you go ahead yeah so uh, what we're discussing right now does does it really matter what lord i have yeah, said exactly. or whatever the folklore yeah. or whatever the tradition said does it really matter because neither of us none of us rather can verify the fact that what was said what was not said how the uh, you know uh, stories were skewed and uh, you know tailor made to fit the patriarchal mm-hmm. society so i don't think anybody can justify whatever those folklores because those folklores have been passed down like i mentioned earlier from archaic times yes. so Great. i believe that it goes against a very fundamental constitutional right which every person has the right to its freedom to religion or right. if a person And in which we need, and also if you were to go by traditions and uh, you know folklore, 
it is celibacy that okay uh, yeah. about not right so wait not the parallel that equal feminism is about equality right so i'm not trying to draw parallels over here but um, there are a lot of places or like a place or places of worship where men are not allowed but we never uh, you know we never Now, hear any protest sorry if you could state for an example uh, the, the brahma temple in koshkar right Yeah, there oh, are like, there thousands of examples in Kerala which prohibit the entry of yeah. men. Okay, and I've never like, seen uh, feminists who uh, talk in, who think of themselves uh, as equalists. Okay, to to propagate the the entry of men into these temples. Uh, there are some words of which the meaning remains the same, but how it is implemented at different places changes. For example, justice. Justice is the same for everybody. If someone wrongs, justice should be provided. But different countries right. have a different take on it. Now, regarding your point, you said that there are men. First of all, this very basic conception that feminism is only for females by females is wrong. Feminism has no gender um, restriction. I have seen men who are feminists. I have seen people of transgender community who are feminists. So. the point that you are stating that men aren't allowed to have to understand that there is this thing which till so many years because the female gender has been an oppressed gender therefore right now a little bit of feminist in like yeah, yeah, feminist can achieve feminism by okay this is doing tit for tat you really want to achieve feminism by by is just making an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind before all of this is Let's not talk about modern feminism. So you know how a lot of people have thought of feminism as self-victimization, or it's about how women are oppressed and it's about uh, inequality. So <coughs> how do you all see modern feminism changing, or how has it changed in the last few years? Right. So basically, like uh, the point was made just before this, you know, whether feminism has become an eye for an eye movie. Let me just start off by clarifying something. Feminism is not about, uh, you know, feminism equal equal to equality is not what it is. Feminism is the roadmap to equality. You have to do certain things because we live in a society that is so essentially patriarchal. The epistemology is patriarchal. Hence, you cannot possibly step out of it, right? So, feminism has to fight from within patriarchy. So, when you say I for an I, that is not how it works. It essentially works. Yeah, that was not. Okay, can I ask you a simple question? Mm -hmm. It is fine because I've been trying to ask this for a while now. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, you should go ahead. Yeah, um, it is to both the family and like here, but yeah, to both the feminists. Okay, I get that feminism stands for equality. I get that you stand for equity and like to like bring some sort of, let's say, uh, you know, like like to bring equal opportunity. Essentially, I think yes. you would. Yeah, identify with that, right? Okay. But here's my struggle with this. How can we speak about that when the mainstream, like, when for so long, you know, like, let's say the Muslim law remained regressive for so long in comparison to the Hindu law? That's one. Okay. How can you say that when transgender people very recently got like identity, like you know, they got recognition for reasons, but they still can't like you know, um, work. They still can't. I like it essentially, and I'm not saying that transgenderism does not exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying transgenderism does not exist. I'm not saying rural feminism does not exist. 
But I like, don't you feel like the mainstream narrative of feminism today is not di- like it's not directly trying to uplift like you can't benefit from the ones that it actually should benefit. Okay. Yeah, don't you feel okay. like it's powerful? Okay, feminism yeah. is supposed to benefit everybody. Yeah. It's not about benefiting a certain class. So when uh, I think he is saying right that uh, it's not uplifting the sort of or it's not affecting the strata that is supposed to affect, it is. It is because okay, uh, yeah. when you and I are having this conversation, we are speaking about it. We are speaking about it to ten other people who are in turn speaking about it to ten other people. If there is no activism, let me tell you how it works. There is absolutely no redressal for these people. The fact that these opportunities exist at a certain level, I am not saying feminism is all-encompassing as of now, right? We are yet to reach grassroots levels. We are yet to reach, but that's the whole point of activism at the end of the day. You have to start somewhere. You cannot possibly start at the ground root level, a grassroots level, because it's technically and logistically not possible to reach that level. But yeah, we are reaching that point wherein you know there are rural rural artisans. There are so many NGOs working with. uh female entrepreneurs at the village level at the rural level there are so many people who are working with transgenders getting them rights and everything so i think it's a process more than you know a maybe a one day change so once like yeah, uh, sure. so the thing that aishi said uh the fact is that whenever something a movement for example comes into place there is not just the whole essence of the movement but a lot of other factors that influence the movement okay so now there's this yeah. term called the standpoint theory in feminism according to which the theoretical point of view is like the social in a social position of a person determines the knowledge of the person so when we look at the trans like the trans feminism trans feminists themselves identify themselves as feminists who want to work for the upliftment for all women so the point here is that it is not like the whole transgender community is being ignored but there are so many facts that are involved in it and even they are working for upliftment you cannot expect one movement to satisfy all the aspects in just a month or two or probably in a year or two it takes time to slowly and another point that exists is that like i said a word means different in us the feminists right now are fighting for something like free the nipple mental health of course trans feminism whereas here in india we are still limited to basic survival that women shouldn't be raped women should given be given equal salary and stuff so as the movement progresses then most more and more points are covered so you cannot expect one movement to satisfy everything just as one when you are talking about modern feminism okay so now mm-hmm. Okay, so now there are women who actually feel equal to men. Okay, they they're happy cooking for their husband. They're happy taking care of children, going to work, working under a man. So if I already feel equal to man, uh, a man, okay, why does feminism tell me again and again that I'm I'm actually oppressed? I mean, isn't feminism as a movement, not as a concept, going I mean go, go, going and pro- propagating this message that I, I mean all women are oppressed? Yeah, I okay. mean. In reference to this, I would like to tell that yes, there are the whole point of feminism. Now there are a lot of people saying that the modern wave of feminism. You cannot blame the entire wave or an era of feminism 
based on a few incidents on a few examples now coming to yash's point yes there are women who are happy in being a homemaker in whatever they want to do whatever they feel they are happy the whole point of the movement of feminism is to provide platform to the women to make their own choices that is the feminism in no way propagates oppression or it tells you that you are oppressed or you should just spin take a 180 degree do something extremely opposing to what you really are the whole prop the whole propaganda of this movement of this term feminism is to provide choices to women okay, my question okay my ultimate question is uh, do you think mm-hmm. all the waves of feminism were aimed at social equality or was it um was it just uh, based on like uh, was it just based on women upliftment or rather than social equality uh i think i put women up uh, women, uh, female upliftment and social equality on the same uh pedestal because of the basic fact that there will be justice there will be equality only once there is upliftment because as, as even as of today you know when also uh, like yash asked us a question that uh whether this movement has become more about victimization there are so many women who feel they are in power they equal like this is wrong you know it's it's wrong thing it's a nuanced thing wherein we don't understand the power structure but even those women what there how many women are there you know how many women are there that we see at the top of the leaderboard yeah. on more than that i feel like the very statement come from a very like the fact that we can discuss the statement shows that we privileged women in a sense yeah. if you look at the statistics like let's say uh, if you think of bihar i think um what is the around like 40 or 50% of the women have reported that they've been you know um, like sexually abused or there's been some mm-hmm. form of violence all right like no, yeah, i'm sure yeah yeah i want to get one that comes uh, from there there's also a question on uh, is the feminism movement which is in india is it very different to what followed in the west or is it similar or how how do you see any huge differences between the two movements i think okay so if i may answer i think at its core feminism the movement is the same but in india we still lag behind due to uh, due to certain aspects that hold us back so even though we're trying to catch up to the wave that is happening in uh, in the western uh, countries we can't really draw um, uh, an equal sign between these two right also because feminism i believe has a lot of dependence on geography and so, uh, society and what is important is the laws so, of the country like i said in america right now if they are moving topless around the streets to say that you know free the nipple or something like that we here are debating on you know we think it's about feminism like honestly it yeah, tomorrow a male has to go out with his penis out okay with his penis okay if he you know if he's just wearing his underwear underwear or something do you think that will be accepted by okay, us no, as a society or now again you think, oh my god you think uh, men wearing underwear on a normal day is accepted and again okay, this is one second can i just can i get really really respond i'm so sorry like uh, um, <laughs> yeah uh, it's our uh, jan 3 
um, they walk around and they uh, like they give their uh, what do you say their, whatever the sermons uh, while not being tortured at all and they walk around without being tortured at all a lot like there's a section of the gen the digambar section yeah, the digambar yeah. i don't know which exactly so i would say that is already in a sense accepted in society so i would like to formally end this podcast here cheers to many more thank you you all have been a very patient audience cheers thank you thank you guys